Welcome to the Gut Church Podcast. My name is Kennedy Shear, and thank you so much for joining us. Today, we have a great word for you. If this ministry has changed your life, will you let us know? Send us an email to story at gutchurch.com. Open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7. Uh, last week, I had the honor to do Matthew 6. The week before, Taylor did Matthew 5. It's basically a Sermon on the Mount, right? This is Jesus' first message, right? He's, he's, he's telling people the things. It feels like your first, I mean, it's just this first opportunity he has, man, to share, to really tell people. And honestly, to kind of turn them on, I mean, like he's, he's coming at them differently than anyone's ever come at him. And he's talking to, to leaders, to Pharisees, to Jew, people that know the law. They understand the Bible. And uh, we'll jump right in to uh, Matthew chapter 7, verse 1, just coming in hot. Matthew 7, 1. Judge not that you be not judged. Judge not that you be not judged. I mean, right out of the gate, Jesus is just hitting it hard. And, and so we're talking about this, not finding fault in others. And we had the, we had the opportunity to talk, this, talk about this a little bit, the, the people at school of ministry. And I was sitting over there, and, and they had read the scripture, and different people were talking about it. The thing that hit me was I thought, it's hard to reach people that I'm judging. It's hard to care and love about people when I'm only seeing this, this bad thing or this sin or whatever is involved. When I'm only seeing that, it's going to be hard for me to reach them, to love them, to care about them, and to help them. So I have to guard my heart from that. i got to make sure that I don't get into that mode, right? Because it's easy to get into that. It's easy when you see something, you notice something, and it's easy to forget where you came from. It's easy to forget the mistakes you used to make when you first got saved or where you came from. Right, it's like, I can't believe, man, they did just this, this, whatever it is. And you begin to judge it, and you're thankful that somebody didn't do that to you. And you think that someone just loved you and cared about you, encouraged you, and challenged you right where you were. So right out of the gate, uh, Matthew 7, 1, judge not that you be not judged. Verse 2, for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Man, this is the main reason not to judge, right? In, in Galatians 6, 7, 8, it says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that he will also reap. Right? If you want to be judged harshly, go ahead and judge others harshly. Man, if you want to be extended grace, make sure you're one that extends grace. Man, if, I, I mean, it's crazy because it seems that I, I feel like that seems simple. But I think sometimes we justify our judgments. We justify uh, uh, the way that we're judging people, we try and act like, well, it's because we care. Man, if you care, just help them. Don't judge them. If you care, find a way to be a part of what, and help them out of it. Don't judge them in the middle of it. Right? And here's what I've come to know. Most people know what they're stuck in. They don't need you telling them. They just need you to help them and love them through it. That's it. So what happens is we get so stuck just noticing it and making our judgments that we miss the opportunity that God has given us to help them because they're too busy judging them. Man, I, 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 when I read that, it just it hit me. And Galatians just ties it in that it's like, man, if you want to be judged, go ahead and start judging people. If you want to be extended grace, start being one that extends grace to people. Verse 3. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when there is a log in your own eye? So how can you focus on the speck with a wooden beam in your eye? 
Like, think about that. How can I focus on what's going on in you if I have something that's literally blocking the way that I see things? If I have this thing that, that, that is just blocking the vision, I can't even focus, I can't see it, but then I'm trying to notice something small in them. I, I beg you, don't get caught up in judging people. Don't get caught up in that. Because they dress different, they live different, they speak different, they come from different backgrounds. Practice just loving people. Practice just caring about them. I used to carry this, this, uh, this little note business card in my wallet. That's when my wallet was that big, right? Now it's like this because my kids take stuff out of it, right? So it's like I have a little baby wallet now. But I used to have, it was incredible, but not anymore. And I remember that wallet, I had a business card. And it said, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. People don't know what I've learned about the Bible if they don't think I care about them. If they don't know that I love them. That they don't care how much knowledge I have or how much help I can be to them if, I'm ju- if they just feel judged the whole time they're with me. Man, can I just tell you, when someone feels judged by you, walls go up. You know what's hard to minister to somebody when they have walls up? You want to really minister to someone? Help bring those walls down. Stop judging them. Man, the Bible says you got to take care of the stuff that we're dealing with. And I love the way that it ends there. It says, verse 5, you hypocrite or pretender, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. It doesn't say, we're going to get this out of your eye so you can judge them. It says, we're going to get this out of your eye so you can go help get what's in their eye out. Like, right, because you think, oh, I'm getting this out, now I get to judge. No, 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 you're getting this out so you can see what they have to help them get it out of their eye. Man, you ever had somebody get something in your eye, you can help them get it out? It's awesome, right? Except for with little kids. They're like, no, 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 no. And I'm like, you got to open it to get it out, right? Like, I'm, tr- I'm literally trying to help you. This is like, you want to see it ever again? Because it feels like they're going to be blind in one eye for the rest of their lives, right? It's like that splinter they get in their thumb. I'm like, we're taking your thumb off because that little piece of wood's not coming out, right? That, that's how we, we were just looking, looking, looking. Let's remove this, and then let's help them remove what they got. Let's don't judge in the process. Man, I'm just telling you, what I love about Guts Church is it's help people win. It's not judge them, find out where they're at, then help them win. It's just help people win right where they're at. Man, right where they're at. Can we help them right where they're at? Judge, it comes from the Greek word. We're trying to figure out how to say it. Let's just go with krino. And uh, is a general term, but in its context, krino is a general term. It's a Spanish word now. Uh, krino. Man, you got me, bro. It's a general term, but in its context, Jesus is using it as a harsh sense, self-righteous, hypocritical judgment. It's a hypocritical judgment. Like Jesus is just saying, listen, you're just judging to judge. There's like, because right now you got to realize when Jesus is giving this, ser- this, this sermon to the Pharisees and the teachers, he's trying to he's trying to get them to see the motive of their heart. He's trying to help say, you know, there's something bigger than what people see on the outside. It's about what's happening on the inside, right? Like if I notice a speck in somebody's eye and I've taken the one out of my eye, it's because I want to help them, not because I want to judge them. That's a motive of the heart. It's not that I didn't notice it. It's not that I didn't see, but what am I doing with it when I see it? How am I treating them them now that I know this information about them? My job is to love them. My job is to help them step by step through that process, whatever it takes, however long it is, whatever it looks like, as long as they're willing to let me help to figure out how to get that out of their eye. And literally that picture I have is that my kid that's got something stuck in their eye. I'm just going to help them until it's out of their eye. It's not ever fun. If you have a little kid and something's in their eye, and I feel like half the time I'm like, there was nothing there ever. But 
you know, they think it was and then it's gone eventually. It's a process. It's like you got, they, have to, they have to know they can trust mom and dad that we're not trying to pluck your eye out. We're trying to figure out what's in there and get it out so you can see clearly. Right? People can't see clearly. And we're too busy judging them and not helping them. Our job as believers is to help them, man, so, so they don't have to go through that. Anything you want to add? You good? Okay. Do not give dogs what is holy and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Do not force the truth upon rebels who reject it or give holy things to fault finders, speck hunters, or evil speakers. That's what, that's what the Dakes broke that down as. And I just thought it was funny because I don't want to be a fault finder and I don't want to be a speck hunter. Never even heard that in my whole life. And when Dake said that, all that verse is just resounding at me. Am I a speck hunter? Am I looking for something small in somebody's life? Am I looking for a fault that they have in their life? Man, how am I living this life, right? And, and that, that's, what, that's what he's saying when he's saying, don't throw your pearl to these kind of people. Right? It doesn't matter how, how but man, when, when people get into this mode, we got to get them out of that mode before they can learn anything else. Because it's like throwing your pearl before swine. It's, it's not, it doesn't have any value now. There's no value when people are fault finders and speck hunters. Man, so we can't fall into that trap. That cannot be us. Man, and this, this is a heart check. Man, you got to think, okay, have I become that? I think it happens when you become mature in your Christianity. When you realize, like, man, I'm in the Word, I, I'm praying in the Holy Spirit, I'm at church a thousand times a week, like, I'm, I'm in, I'm all in. And then we see somebody else who's kind of just barely getting involved. And we're like, what's wrong with them? Do they not love it? Right? They're just learning. we got to teach them. we got to show them. Don't be speck hunters. Don't be fault finders. I'm good. I'm good. They got supposed it all. to be five minutes for that part. What was it? Four and a half? Like 12, but we'll go. That's close. We'll go fast. You, you read fast. Verse 7, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened to you. So seeking here is, is that you have to seek with your whole heart. I think it's, inter- let me read and then I, I want to bring a point to that. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and to the one who knocks it will be open. Verse 8 says for everyone, this is no exceptions to the rule. This is for Everyone. I also think it's interesting that through this progression, it gets more intense. It gets more intense in what you end up doing because of whatever your need is. And I think that that is very, very strategic. But please know that that is for everyone. No one is left out. There are no exceptions from this. So the Greek word that translates to ask here for, it says for everyone who asks receives, it's used 66 times. And the idea, idea here is to demand something that is due to you because of your family or because you deserve it, that it's yours. So when we're asking, it's not just asking a friend for something or asking someone, that, an acquaintance for something. No, no, we are asking our father for something. We are asking our dad for something. And we ask because we know that we have the right to it. Seeking has to be with your whole heart. When you seek, it is with your entire heart. Asking implies want. Seeking implies lost. And knocking implies need. One must ask with confidence and humility. Seek with care and application. And knock earnest 
or knock with earnest and, per, and perseverance. I think what's also interesting is as, as this is written, in the Eastern culture, a door is never opened until someone has knocked. So when you know that, that someone is coming over, they didn't just, a, gr- a good friend, a family member, they didn't just come in and, and open up the door as we would with our close friends. They waited until someone knocked on the door and then the door was opened. So I wonder how many of us are asking and seeking and then we get to that door and we're just standing waiting for God to open that door. We're just waiting for God to open the door to the next place that we're headed to or that next step in life and we're just waiting for that door to open but we have our hands by our side. How often are we sitting there just waiting saying, God, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm here. Use me, I'm ready. What's the next step? But our hands are by our side when all we have to do is knock and that door will be opened. That's all we have to do. But again, it's just like where God will open doors and no man can close and close doors and no man can open. But when he opens those doors, you still have to walk through them. When you get to that door, you have to knock. It puts it on us. That we can stand on the promises of God, that we can, we can ask, we can seek, and then we knock. And that door is open. Or which one of you, if the son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who is evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? When I read this, it's especially now as a dad... It hits different. I think it's comical that it's written that if if your son asks for bread, you're not going to give him a stone. It's like, yeah, obviously. Or if he asks for fish and you give him a serpent. But we who are evil know how to give good gifts to our kids. Pastor Chano talked about his little tiny baby wallet. Because of, of, of having kids. That's where it's like, yes. As soon as we had Charleston, my whole life changed where it was no longer about me or what I want. It was all about setting her up. So we know how to do that as, as being evil. How much better is God? But we don't ask. We don't seek. We don't find, no, we have to use those words. Just like when you're dealing with kids, use your words. I say that to you. If you are in need of something, use your words. If you are standing on something, use your words. If you have a bad diagnosis or bad report, use your words. And make sure that those words are the promises that are in the Bible. Make sure that that they are, are promises of God towards healing. If your marriage is on the rocks and you're not sure how it's going to turn around, use your words. Speak life into it. And then watch how everything changes. Seek, ask, and then knock. Knock on the door and it will be open. Verse 12. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is uh, the summation of all law and the prophets. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. It seems so simple, right? Like I just, and there's a proverb that says, he who is friendly has many friends. 
It's like, well, duh. Yeah. But you look at it and you're like, I don't have a lot of friends. Uh-oh. Like, are you friendly? Because the Bible says if you're friendly, you will have friends. And the Bible, so if there's a certain way you're, you feel like you're not being treated, you got to look back and say, how am I treating people? Not how am I praying. Not how am I fasting. Not how often am I reading the word. How am I treating people? Right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. But the second is just like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Man, if we're not loving our, if we're not treating people the right way, how can we expect to be treated any certain way? I, I mean, it's unbelievable, but it's the reality of that's how the enemy gets in. We forget that, we're, man, we're called to people. We're called to people. Man, I, we had the opportunity to serve um, at One Oak. We did this thing with Joyce Meyer. We gave out thousands of bikes, all these shoes. I mean, we had lawyers, doctors. We had all, I mean, it was one of the most, we had groceries. It was one of the most incredible days of giving in the city of Tulsa. Man, I'm so honored. And me and my brother-in-law, Chris Abbott, had the honor of being over shoes. We gave out 2,000 pairs of shoes. I mean, it was like the coolest day in the world. And I'm like, I'm going to get thanked like no one's ever been thanked before as I hand out these shoes. I was wrong. I was wrong. I was so glad there was a sheriff lady right here standing right next to me because I thought I'm getting beat up today. Like, right? Like, I've never been beat up, but today's the day. The day I gave out free shoes, the day I got beat up. And I just thought, and I remember my brother-in-law looked at me and said, man, how are you staying, staying so calm and kind? And I'm like, I, I mean, I, literally, I'm just like, I want them to be like, this is the representation of Jesus. It doesn't matter how they treat me. I love you. Here's what we have for you. Do you have another color? <laughs> this, is, this is what we have. Do you have another size? Let me check. Sorry, we don't. Like Whatever. I mean, there was so much about it. I, but I thought, I had this mindset that everybody should come up and be kind and sweet and loving. And, th and that's not what happened. But that didn't change me. That can't change us. We don't treat people the way we're treated. We treat people the way we want them to treat us. Do you see that simple math? I think too often we're like, well, you don't know how they treated me. That doesn't play into this verse. That has nothing to do with what the Bible says right here. How they treat you does not come into play. It's about how we treated people. How did I take care of people? How did I handle that situation when, man, they downright just got on to me? And it's even harder when you feel like you're doing a good deed. Can I tell you, it was, it was a hard day. Because you feel like, man, I'm doing something that God's called me to do. I'm in the right place at the right time doing something that I know that God's called our church to do. How is anybody mad? But, man, I'm just telling you, you're going to run into people. But it cannot change you. It cannot change you. I don't, either your boss at work, man, your neighbor, whatever it is, it cannot change who you are. You're called to love them. Right? You're called to treat them the way that you want to be treated. Whatever you want people to do for you, so do for them. Jesus is correcting and concentrating the correct message of the law. Because these people were used to getting served, especially the Pharisees. They were leaders. They're used to people just serving them, taking care of them, and just admiring them and telling them how great they are. And Jesus just kind of calling them out like, wait, how are you treating people? Right, as a leader, whatever it is, you know, they, they had this expectation because they fasted, right? We learned from Matthew 6. They gave, they fasted, they prayed. It said when they do all these things, right? So, so these are leaders. These are religious leaders. And I'm telling you, I'm sure people honored them. Now Jesus is asking them, how do you treat others? 
How do you treat people? Man, Pastor Bill said this a long time ago. He says we honor because we're honorable. That is stuck with me. Respect is earned. That's different. The world talks about that. We're not talking about the kingdom. We're talking about honor. And we honor because we're honorable. That's different than respect. Please know that. I think we get lost because the world has these sayings that sound similar and they're kind of cool, but it is not the same thing. We live by a different standard. We live by a godly standard. Verse 13. I'm looking at my time now. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. This is something that, that we talked about for a while in the office. It's, it, you know, it's telling you about these two gates, one's wide, one's, you know, and it says, and those who enter by it are many when it talks about the, 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 the wide gate, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. And it almost is a little bit like, man, why has it got to be tough? And, and I was talking with a guy in the church, and he correlated it to the eye of the needle, right? It's easier for a, for, for a rich man or a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to go to heaven, right? The eye of a needle into a city was like the entrance into these cities was kind of built like the eye of a needle. And for a camel to get through it, he had to unpack the camel. So you got to get all your stuff off to get in. And, right, so this narrow gate, that's what I'm thinking of when I see this narrow gate. I'm like, yeah, it, you fit. You just got to be willing to unpack everything. You've got to be willing to lay everything down to go on this path, right? It's the same way. It's not you can't, but there is a cost. And the cost is, man, I lay my life down. I want what God, can I just tell you what God has for you is better anyways? Like, I don't know what you think you're laying down, but it's going to be so much better on the other side of it. Whatever it is, please, I tell you, I beg you, lay it down. It's not worth trying to go through that wide path that's comfortable, that you think, man, man this is the easy way. It's not the easy way. Man, that path leads to destruction, and it leads to death. Where the path God has for us leads to life and life everlasting. So I want to encourage you guys. I mean, that mental picture got me. Am I willing to unpack everything to come in? That's the narrow gate. That's, that's the picture that I got. And, and it talks about destruction doesn't come until the end of the road. I think when people go on that wide path, they don't sometimes even know. And they don't realize that it's a dead end. It ends. And for some people, it ends abruptly. Right, I think about that all the time. They don't know the destruction that's coming because they can't see it. They're fooled with how, how awesome it looks right now and, and how easy and comfortable and how good it looks. Like, this ain't that bad. This is okay. The, this path is, I mean, I know they talk about that's the way to do it, but, man, I'm telling you, this way works too. And they're going down this path and realizing the destruction comes at the end of the path. That road ends. That road ends. Man, it's encouraging us. Here's the path we have to take. Um. Entering through the narrow, constricted gate, remembering the eye of the needle, requires us to lay down our worldliness and our pride to walk in simple obedience to God's word. That's the narrow path. God, I'm going to do it your way. God, I'm going to abide by your word. What it says, man, I'm going to believe it. I'm going to walk it out, and I'm going to live it. No matter my situation, no matter my circumstance, no matter what comes against me, this is the path I've chosen. And that's why it's narrow for people. Because it is, you lay some things down. But the blood, I mean, what God, I, I, I wish you could just show pictures of people like before and after pictures, right? Like the workout pictures, like, like before I, I was working out and then after I'm working out, like before I gave my life to Jesus and where I'm at now. I mean, it's incredible. Like it's incredible what God does in our lives. I mean, it's crazy to think between the two of us represented up here, we have 10 kids. 10 kids from 19 years old to 19 weeks. I'm guessing on the weeks. But right, right, it's pretty close. Like 10 kids represented, I met Taylor when he was a high school student, and I, and I knew I was dating Tara, but I was not married. 
Amen. Well, even what God's done in this friendship, but you don't see that at the beginning. You don't see that. You see that as you go through things, as God begins to grow you up. You begin, you begin to see these students that you had in a junior high small group begin to develop into man of God. But right, if you step out, you miss the pro- you miss it. You miss it. The Bible says, don't grow weary in doing good because in due season, you reap a harvest if you don't lose heart or if you don't quit. The narrow path is we just didn't quit. We just didn't give up. We said, this is his word. It's going to work. I'm going to keep walking. That's it. There's no, the, the narrow is like when Pastor Will talks about entering a room with no exits. That's the narrow path. God, I trust you. I trust your word. Nothing is knocking me off of this. That's really good. And you talk about the before and after pictures. We're just constant before pictures. Constant before. Yeah. After at some point. It's going to be awesome. Like you said, we got 10 kids between the two of us. Okay, verse 15. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. I, I want to I call something out at the very beginning of this chapter where it says not to judge. We do not judge men. We do not judge them. We don't judge what they do, but you will recognize them by their fruit. I think what's hard is some of the religious talk is, in all reality, you're judging them, but then you're like, no, no, I'm just, I'm judging their fruit. And it, no, it's you'll recognize them by their fruit. A good tree is going to produce good fruit, but a diseased bad tree is going to produce bad fruit. So I pose the question, what kind of fruit are you producing? If it's bad fruit, make a change. Let's change something up and then start seeing that good fruit. A man cannot be a sinner and a saint at the same time. What's hard is, well, I'm, I'm, yeah, I believe this and I stand on this and this is how I am, but when I'm at work, I have to be this way. No, you don't have to be that way. You can't be a sinner and a saint at the same time. Verse 18, a healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So I I encourage you, when you have, when you allow people into your life, judge their fruit. Recognize them by their fruit. When he talks about that they will come as, as beware of false prophets who come in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. One of the ways you can tell that is by their fruit. What is the fruit of their life? Is it good fruit? Then it's a good tree. But allowing those people into our lives, allowing people the opportunity to speak into our lives, make sure that their fruit is good. Make sure that what they are producing is good fruit and not bad fruit. This, this verse here where it's talking about tree and fruit, what's interesting is it's the tree is the subject and the fruit is the object. So when we're talking about, about you or about a, a man or a woman with this and the tree and the fruit, the tree is the subject. You are the subject. You are the producer. 
and the fruit is just the object. So you don't have to worry about the fruit when the tree is good. You don't have to worry about what kind of fruit the, the tree is going to produce if it's good and not diseased. And then if it is diseased, cut it down and throw it into the fire. Get rid of it. Don't let it waste space. Don't let it take nutrients from your ground. Don't let it take water from your ground. Cut it out and throw it into the fire. Verse 20. Oh, verse 20. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. You will know them by their fruits or you'll be able to see through whatever they're saying based off of the results or the fruit of their life. Verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Verse 22. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, do we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. This verse always got me. If I'm honest, when I first read it as I was a younger Christian, it kind of scared me. I was like, man, I don't want to be somebody who does a lot of great things for God. And then he'd be like, well, who are you? Right? That's what it feels like. It's like, wait, no, I was doing all this stuff. How did you not know who I was? But I always think about the response. The response was, look at these things I did. It wasn't, hey, I know you. Like, it wasn't about, hey, hey I gave my life to you. He was trying to, like, back up by our good works. Can I just tell you, that's not the key. My good works is not the key. My key is that Jesus died on a cross on my behalf and he rose again. That's the key. So here he's, but they're trying to say, but no, 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 look at all those good things I did for you. Yeah, we got to do good things. But at the end of the day, he wants to know us. He says, I didn't know you. Like, I, I picture this. I, I, just, I just picture, you know, a dad and his kids. And his kids go on to do all these great things, but they lose relationship with their father. But, Dad, look at all these things I did to make you proud. And my dad's like, the dad's like, I didn't know you. I don't even know who you've become. Right? Like, he, don't get so caught up in doing these things that we forget to know him. To know him. That's the key to this whole thing. We prophesied in your name. We, we cast out demons. Look at all the incredible. Like, like what you think about, those are like spiritual highlights. Look at these things I did. And he just said, I didn't know you. Our job is to know him. Like Taylor said, we're a tree. Man, we got to make sure that we're a healthy tree. Don't worry about the fruit. It's going to be produced. We just got to be who God's called us to be. And we got to spend time with the Father so that he knows us. Not that we did the works for him, but that he knows us. Will works come out of that? Absolutely. But the works isn't the focus. The focus is, man, that I knew him, that I'm in covenant with him. Man, that I have a relationship with him. That's what matters. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them, to do them here is, is the test. Not just hearing, but doing. Will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell strategically timed. Well done, Taylor. Wow. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. That's a good one. That's good fruit right there. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on the house but it did not fall because it was founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like the foolish man who built, his, who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against the house. And it fell and great was the fall of it. So here Jesus is wrapping up his message. And he's saying, 
You can't just hear these words, but you have to do them too. There are actions tied to what he is preaching here. He is emphasizing what the effect of hearing and doing his word can have on our lives, can have on the people around us. You have to obey what God is saying here, and it's please don't get the, the message of, well, I just need to go build. No, both men built something. Both of them did. The wise man built it on the rock. The foolish man built it on the sand. I look at it now and I'm thinking the, the, the foolish man had to know that that was not a good foundation. The foolish man had to know not to do it, but still did it. He built it still. But he wasn't like the wise man who built it on the rock and then the storm came and it stood. Because he built it on the sand, he built it on on unsure foundation, and as soon as the storm came, it fell and great was its fall. I always love the simplicity of that verse. Uh, Taylor talked about it. What you're building on is what matters. Am I building on the rock or the sand? And it literally tells us, if you want to build your house on the rock, it says everyone who hears these words of mine and does them is like the man who builds his house on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them is like the man who built his house on the sand. The key is when you walk out of here, are you doing anything differently? The key is when you spend time reading your Bible in the morning, is it changing who you are? Right? This should be changing you. I'm not the same person that I was five years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago. Right? I'm not. Why? Because I've allowed God's word to change me. Right? I don't talk the same way I used to talk. Man, I I won't forget. I I had like a decently filthy mouth. I remember being 12 years old. And the first time I dropped the word of all words in front of my dad. And he popped me in the mouth. And I just remember thinking, he says it? That, that was went through my mind, not like, oh, man, I messed up. Like, I remember thinking, we should both be able to say it. But when you're 12, you should not be saying those words. And I remember when I got saved, I just thought, oh, man, I have to talk differently. Like, I, I, you know, I'm just thinking, oh, my heart's good. Like, I'm a, no, and I realized, no, he's, he's going to overtake every area of my life. And make it better and greater than I ever imagined. That's what's incredible. But all I have to do is I have to hear these words and I have to do them. I have to read these words and I have to go live it. Right? When it says tithe, tithe. When it says love your neighbor, love your neighbor. When it says love your enemy, love your enemy. Right? When it says forgive, you better forgive. I'm telling you, the word is speaking to you. And you're frustrated with where you're stuck at, but you're not doing what it's telling you to do. So be frustrated with your inaction, not with God. Be frustrated with your inability. Just go do what he's, he's showing you through, through people on the stage, through you reading your Bible, through, through friends that are, that are sharing stuff with you. He's showing you things, and you're stuck because you're just not doing them. That's it. It's that simple. Don't complicate it. The enemy would love for you to overcomplicate it. Then we would love for you to confuse it and make it hard and difficult. And I can't believe how hard Christianity is. It's not. Hear these words and do them. That's how simple it is. That's called faith. I have faith that if I do these things, this is going to happen. Why? Because his word says so. Because that's what I live. That's what I walk out. So, man, I'm telling you, if you leave here with anything, leave here with this, man. When I come in here, that, and this is Jesus. This is the first time he gets to preach a message. And this is what he's preaching. What are you building your house on? What are you building your house on? He said, let me make it easy for you. When you hear these things, go do them. And you'll build it on a rock. 
and the rains and the storm and the world's going to come at you and it's going to be crazy, but your house will stand. Or hear these words and don't do them and that same storm and that same craziness is going to hit and great will be the fall of that house. Let me just tell you, I want my house to stand. I want my kids' houses to stand. I want people in this church's houses to stand. I want people's houses to stand when whatever crazy comes, tries to come at us. So I beg you, hear these words and do them. Hear these words and live it. Last two verses. Verse 28 says, And when Jesus finished these things, the crowds were astonished at his teachings. For he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. People realize there's something different about him. Right? Astonished means feeling or showing great surprise or wonder. They're in awe of what was just spoken. They've heard somebody get up and read the rules and the laws and the do's and the don'ts, but someone's coming up and now he's talking about your heart and the motive of your heart and why you do what you do. He's just, I mean, taking it up a notch. And it's not just about what we do outwardly, but it's about what we do inwardly. He's made it about the core of who we are. And they were astonished. They were awed. Man, the authority he spoke with. He wasn't speaking like, I hope this is right. He was speaking with authority. It said, not like the scribes. The scribes are just, they're talking about it. He was, he was it. He was the word made flesh. So it, it's, it's him. He's just speaking who he is. It's just coming out of him. It's because he, he, was, he was the word. Man, I'm telling you guys. There's life-changing stuff, but we can't just be hearers. We have to be doers. Man, if you leave this room with nothing else, just decide, I'm going to be a doer of God's word. If he says I'm healed, I'm going to walk in that healing. Man, right? If he says I'm prosperous, I'm going to walk in that prosperity. Don't let the world confuse you and don't buy their garbage. Man, buy what God, what God has for you in his word. Let's pray. Father, we love you. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the life-changing ability that we find in your word. God, that it changes us. God, that we're not the same anymore because of this word that we heard. God, that we choose to walk it out. God, we choose to walk by faith and not by sight. God, we we choose not to just be hearers, but be doers of your word. God, we choose to love because you told us to. God, we choose to give because you've told us to, God. We choose to forgive because you've told us to. If you're in here tonight and your life's not right with God for whatever reason, and maybe you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, maybe you did at a young age, and maybe you have not been walking and living like you know you should be. And tonight you just made, something's been holding you back. And you've not been the, the person you know you should be. You've not been the representation of Christ you know that you should be. And tonight you're saying, that's going to change. Man, tonight I'm giving my life to God. Or maybe you're in here tonight and you're like, I've been a hearer. Man, I've been reading. I've been listening. I haven't let it change me. I haven't been a doer. Man, when the word tells me to forgive, I haven't forgiven. Where it tells me to give, I haven't been giving. Where it tells me to love my enemies, I have not been. I've been hating. And tonight I want to change. Tonight I want to love. I want to give. I want to forgive. I don't want to judge. I want to do it God's way. If that's you in here tonight, can you just raise your hand? Man, you've been struggling with it, and you're ready to change tonight. If that's you, just raise your hand. God bless you. It's awesome. God bless you. Anybody else? God bless you. Anybody else? That's awesome. God bless you. Man, I'm ready to 
God bless you. I see you. I see you too. God bless you. Y'all way back there. Anybody else? And just raise your hand. Give him my life to God. I'm going to do it his way. God bless you. I see the hand. Anybody else? Man, God wants to do something in your life tonight. Don't hold back. And if you felt that I got to raise my hand, you may not just raise your hand. God bless you. I'm going to ask everybody to repeat after me. We're all going to pray together tonight. Say, Father God, I give you my life. I make Jesus Christ the Lord of my life. I put all my trust in you. Forgive me for the wrong things I've done. And I choose tonight to forgive those who've wronged me. I choose tonight to be a doer of your word, to build my house on the rock. My life is yours. Every part of it, God, I love you. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Let's give the Lord a hand in here tonight. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you'd like more information about the ministries of Gut Church, visit our website at gutschurch.com.